Well, hey, and welcome to episode 22 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and I'm so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss what Paul means when he says in Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We talk a lot about what happens when you sin again, which is inevitable. And last but not least, we discuss what it means to live in accordance with the Spirit. If you haven't yet listened to the message from this past Sunday, January 8th, I do, as always, encourage you to do so before continuing in on this episode as it's going to make this content make a lot more sense. And lastly, if you have any questions or comments from Sunday's message, we invite you to join us at quadcity.church Romans, where you could submit those questions to be talked about and answered right here on the Gospel for Everyone podcast. Without further ado, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. Well, hey guys, good morning. Happy New Year, fellas. Hey, good morning. Welcome back, guys. Good to be uh, chatting again. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a couple of weeks. What um? How are you guys' holidays? Let's start there. That good, yeah, right there. Yeah, that apparently was really good. <laughs> it was fine. It went quick this year. Is yeah, the turnaround time was short. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was fewer days between the Christmas Eve services and the first of the year services. That was kind of one of the unique things about the calendar this year, yep. compared to most. But yeah, what about New Year's? Are you guys like celebrate the New Year's people? No. Yeah, I randomly. So I was watching football that day uh, and I stayed up to watch the second playoff game Mm -hmm. and it went until 10 o'clock our time. And somebody said, well, hey, happy new year for those of you on the East Coast. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I made it. You did make it. (laughs) I made it to that 10 o'clock. I made it to the ball drop. And yeah. I was like, well, good. Okay, I'm going to bed now. And then I was just going to say, then you jumped in your truck and drove downtown to the boot drop, right? I did. I did. <laughs> yes. You know me so well. But I can't remember the last time I watched the ball drop, like yeah. live. So, and again, I was just watching football and it just happened to be <laughs> 10 o'clock. Like it wasn't a planned thing. In fact, I was trying to go to bed, but the game was good. Yeah. So I stayed up. Yeah, well, it was a Saturday night, so I was preaching on Sunday, so I did not make it to midnight that night. Um, but I, too, I think was watching the football game, and it was, I can't even remember which game it was. Who missed the field goal, right? Georgia, Ohio State. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, my kids even, like, Monday or Tuesday, we didn't watch the ball drop. I was like, no, you didn't watch the ball drop. Of course you didn't. We never do. I was like, we could put it on YouTube. I can pull one up for you. <laughs> right now. Like, we could do it now. You didn't miss anything. <laughs> but there was a crazy amount of kids, apparently. I was talking to our kids, Pastor Amy, and she I just asked the question that Sunday at church, hey, how many kids stayed up until midnight? And there was a crazy amount of kids, she said, that were awake until midnight and yeah. in church the next day. So it was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. I, I have always thought the new year, like it being a holiday is kind of weird. To me, like, I understand it's a cool thing. It's a significant 
you know, turning of the new year. Um, but the whole like saying happy new year's thing, I've never done that. I, I don't see any significance in that. Cause it's just like a day. We didn't have any choice, right? It was just, it was a day and now it's a new day and that's a holiday for us. And I just don't fully understand. Like there's no other reason than it turned from one year to another year that we celebrate this thing. So people were telling me happy new year's on Sunday, the when we were at church and I was saying it back and I was like, I still don't understand that, but I feel rude if I don't say it back. So I'm just going to keep saying it back. <laughs> My wife and I had this exact same conversation. She feels the same way you do. Really? Yeah. She was like, why, why is it a holiday? Why do we celebrate? What's the big deal? And I was like, it's the, like, we literally have gone around the sun. Yeah. And made a whole revolution around the sun. Like, it's a big deal. Like, we've done a thing. It's one year older. What? Well, she yeah. goes, no, but every day ends and a new day starts. I go, yeah. I, I agree with that. But the way our calendar works, this signifies a new year. And she was, feels the same way you do. So, you know, this is not a, so I don't like, understand why do we do this holiday. Well, most of our calendar holidays have some sort of uh, like historical significance, right? There's some sort of historical event or generally it's like a, there had been a sacrifice of some sort. Like there was something that happened that was significant. And, oh, we're going to remember that day for that reason. Um, right. The most of them. So this one, like there is no historical significance other than, yeah, we went around the sun one more time and here we are again. So. You got to start somewhere. You got to have a new start. It's a new start. That's all it is. It used to be fantastic because it was the day of all college football games, all bowl games, big ones were on January 1st, huh. like before the playoffs. Like it was the day that all the, so you, I remember just getting together with friends in the in my twenties, and we'd all get snacks and just watch football from sun up to sundown. Yeah, that's what it was for me. That was January. I was like, "Ooh, this is college football day. I love this day." Yeah. Nice. Now it's kind of changed and morphed with everything. So now, yeah, it is. You go, yeah, okay. We worked on New Year's Day, so it was, it was a weird thing, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sure enough. All right, well, well let yeah, me jump in. I'll do, I will share one cool thing that happened in between. I don't even know if I shared this with you guys. So, uh, my youngest son has his birthday on December 29th. And so, this year we let him take a buddy and we went down to Great Wolf Lodge and did that whole thing down there. Um, but my wife is big on Christmas lights. And so, to tag on to that, we decided this year we were going to go see the zoo lights. So I don't know if you guys know about this down at, at the Phoenix Zoo. They put up bukus of lights everywhere, and you can walk through the zoo and look at all the lights. And as we were walking through, um, all of a sudden we come around this corner, and there's a marching band in at the middle of the zoo. Yeah. They had a bunch that flew out this year. Yeah. And it was the marching band for... Uh, Texas Christian. So yeah. the Fiesta Bowl, which is played down in Glendale, was TCU and Georgia. And it ended up being a pretty good game. And both of their marching bands. Michigan. TCU, Michigan. That's right. TCU, Michigan. You're right. Sorry. I've got video on my phone to confirm you are correct. The most, Both of the marching bands were there. And my wife was a, a band nerd in high school. She played the piccolo. And so we stood there and watched the marching bands in the zoo lights down in Phoenix. So that was a pretty cool moment that was a little bit unexpected. So uh, 
by the way, the Michigan marching band is way better than the yeah, TCU not, marching not totally band. Surprised by that. They almost the, didn't make it either. There was because that was the weird weather thing. So the mm. the marching band that was coming out from Michigan, there were all sorts of flight delays and cancellations, mm. all sorts of stuff. So the yeah, amount was, of people in University of Michigan yeah. is like oh. three times or four times the amount of TCU. Yeah, TCU is a private college. So I mean, the so, fact that they're in the national championship is pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't it originally start off as almost like a Bible college? TCU? Um, and I thought it kind of morphed into yeah, something maybe. that is now, you know, more of a public, uni- in a way, a public yeah. university, right? But it definitely had its roots, I think. More it than- is a, it's a very similar. I've heard a lot of people talk about Grand Canyon University down in, in Phoenix very similarly because 15, 18 years ago, GCU was a tiny little private school, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's this massive campus and you've got, 25,000 students on campus and that sort of thing. It's, it's the big school now. So I uh, remember I wanted to go to TCU, like oh, right. in high school. I was like, oh, they're a Christian school. Let's go. And then play football. LaDainian Tomlinson went there. So mm-hmm. like they were always kind of on the fringe. They kind of were in the, in a conference. It wasn't big, like now the big 12, but I was like, oh, that'd be cool. I had to go be a Christian and play football. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, let's do that. Now I, I'm again, I'm sure there are people there who for sure are pursuing Christian degrees and doing those kinds of things. But I would bet there's also just people going to school there. Yeah, like, right, right. Probably not cranking out pastors yeah. on, you know, like a normal Bible cause, <laughs> like an Ozark or something. But, but yeah. it was a little bit of a surprise to walk through the zoo and have a, you know, 400-piece band just start playing and all the cheerleaders and nice. do you, dance. Do you also see the animals out? Like, Oh, no, there was no animals. Oh, they're out. They're, they're gone. Yeah. Oh, they're put away. Okay. Yeah. No animals. Not just even lights. the col- not even the cold ones. There was, but it's dark, so there's uh, not lights in any of the. That's true. Inside the pen, so yeah, no, you didn't. We didn't see any animals. There was, you'd stop every once in a while, look across. Say, I think that's a is that a rock or a tree or a <laughs> orangutan. I don't know, but there's something over there. <laughs> so yeah, you're not going for the animals. You're going just for the lights. So it's a way for them to make a bunch of money. It was pretty full, and it's not cheap, but. Yeah, no, it's a big deal down in the valley. A lot it of people made my wife happy because she likes the lights and yeah. the band and the band. Yeah, you got to got to see the band. There you go. Which was a big surprise. Didn't expect that. Yeah. Well, hey, let's dive into uh, chatting a bit about the sermon this past Sunday. Um, we kicked off. We had this kind of two week break, right? We did Christmas Eve services, and then we did our first of the year family meeting that we do every year. And it was kind of a perfect break, right? We kind of tried to plan it this way to where we would have this nice break and then coming back, we would start a new chapter specifically, right? One of the, like the highlight chapters of the book of Romans being in, in Romans chapter eight, um, verses one through one through eight. Um, so tell me Josh a little bit as you were listening to the sermon, as we were prepping for it, what were some of the things that stood out to you? Um, it was definitely, I agree with you. It was a great way that the calendar broke for us to finish uh, Romans 7 and kind of finish some of that uh, bad news uh, to try to finalize some of that. I know, you know, 5, 6, and 7 are kind of a mix between good news and bad news. Yeah. Um, you know, as I was listening yesterday, it was the reminder as Jason was talking. Um, it, it was really before Halloween. And for us, like before Halloween means before two major holidays that zaps everyone's brains. Mm-hmm. And there's end of school and there's all the different things that kind of go with the end of the year and the end of our calendar. So 
and our tendency as people is to forget the bad. Yeah. Like we don't want to think about the bad. We don't want to think about the condemnation. We don't want to think about all of the stuff that we heard in the beginning of which again, which seems like even longer than that, the three weeks in the back end of Romans one. Uh, so it was really important. And I appreciate Jason, you just kind of going back and reminding us again of how incredible verse one is with the amazingness of all of what we heard, which was clear because in each of the services, you said it the first time, man, we're in Romans one. There's now no kind of, you know, and people were like, ah, mm-hmm. like one person, once I was like, yeah, I heard that was kind of standing <laughs> towards the back. But by the end, every service was almost in a round of applause. Like, yes, amen. Hallelujah. There is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Screaming. Like, we just forget. Like, by nature, our tendency as people is to forget that. Why it's so important to not just remember these sermons together, but also, just a reminder, sometimes just pick a book up of the Bible and read it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. How important that is so that you get it all together in one in one wave and not just do a Again, I'm not saying verse-by-verse study is bad, but sometimes it tricks us in a way. So hearing it all together was a great reminder. So I'm glad that we were able to do that, but didn't focus so much on the bad because we have been there for a while. So it was finally good to hear that, man, I am no longer condemned for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the opportunity is for everyone that we've been saying. The gospel is for everyone. Yeah. So just that great reminder. Yeah, I thought it was good timing too, right? Because there were a lot of people here yesterday. Like it was mm-hmm. one of our, our biggest Sundays. Lots of people coming through the doors, which was super exciting. So this, you know, being able to start in, you know, this this good of content, yeah. right? On the weekend when everyone's either coming back from the holidays or checking into the New Year's resolution, coming back to church for the first time in a while. It was like, oh, this is exactly where we need to be. It felt really, really, and especially over the next two weeks as we're still in chapter eight for another two weeks. Uh, I think it's another two weeks, yeah. right? Uh, three, I think, actually. No, oh. okay, four, maybe four. four we're going. Yeah, we're there's, going, there's there's five in the book of in chapter eight. There's five weeks. In yeah. Chapter oh, eight, I, I thought think. there was yeah. three. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think it's five. So we've got a few more weeks in chapter eight. Yeah. Um, and it's all so good, so yeah. rich. So, um, I'm excited for those who choose to stick around and and really, uh, you know, commit to being here for a few weeks in a row and that sort of thing. Uh, I think they're going to get a lot out of it. So. Yeah. So here's, uh, let's talk about a couple of things. Really, as we were talking about, hey, what do we talk about today? We didn't get many questions in from this past Sunday. And I think part of it was because we really did break down the text in chapter eight. We wanted to make sure we did it justice. So like we just talked about, we have five full weeks. So we're taking smaller chunks of text. Really, it was eight verses this this past week. Um, so I thought we were able to spend a fair bit of time on all of the text. We don't always have that opportunity when we're going through 16 verses on a Sunday. It's kind of hard to do that. This past Sunday, I thought you did a good job, Jason, of you know putting enough time to these these eight verses to where things came out pretty clear. Um, but we did have a couple of things that we wanted to to chat through here, and just to bring maybe a little bit more clarity to them. And the first is this, right? Verse one: There is no condemnation. Like that was the that was the start and the end. We bookmarked the sermon with that text because it is such good news, especially mm-hmm. after all that we've learned about ourselves. So here, here's the question. You say there's no condemnation, right? Now, there is now no condemnation. But what about when I sin again? Am I hmm. condemned? Like, how does that work? Yeah, it's a great question. And actually, you know, as you just say that, there is, you know, if there was an extra three minutes in the message, uh, 
we could have spent a couple of minutes focused again on the very first word of the verse, right? Therefore, again, therefore is always a connecting word. It's always reminding us that what he's about to say is coming, pointing us back to what he has just said. So when we think about chapter seven, Paul in chapter seven, which we covered, like, again, it feels like a month ago, it was like a couple, three weeks ago, where Paul is laying out this frustration that he has. Like, I don't understand what I do and the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. And I find this law at work. There's this battle going on within me and it kind of climaxes in verse 24. What a wretched man I am who will save me from this body that is subject to death. Like there's this frustration that even Paul's feeling of this tug of war between his flesh and the spirit and wanting to do the right thing. It can't seem to do it. And he's just dealing with his own inadequacies to live the life he knows he wants to live. And then it's chapter eight, verse one is the answer to his own question. Who's going to save me from this body of death? It's Jesus. And therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I think that is kind of the answer to the question is, do we fall into condemnation every time we sin? And the answer to that is no, um, we don't. That as long as we are in Christ Jesus, we have been set free and we are no longer condemned. There is this sanctification peace that will continue in our life. Sanctification meaning the becoming more and more like Jesus. And we'll actually get to that when we get to uh, chapter 8, starting in verse 27, really, I think. Um, 28, 27, 28, 29, um, that we are conformed to be like Jesus. That will continue to happen through the rest of our life. But I I would, sometimes when I would teach this, I would um, share this, illustration. I'll draw it on a board. So imagine you have this whiteboard and you just draw a line right in the middle of it. And on top of the line, you have this picture of being in, right? This, you are saved. And then on the bottom is you're out and you kind of split the line across the middle of the board. And I would, I would just take a pen and I'd start drawing like, I wake up in the morning and I'm in, right? I prayed my prayers last night and things were going good and I asked forgiveness and I did the stuff and so I'm in. And then by the time I get to 7.15, I'm screaming at my brother in the bathroom because he's not doing the thing or whatever. And I drop because I threw three F-bombs at him in the morning shower. So now I'm out again. Well, if I ask for forgiveness and I get back above the line, but then I go to school and there's this girl and she's wearing a crop top and my brain goes to places that it shouldn't. So now I'm back out again. And it's this, I think many of us, we grew up with this idea that if there's a moment that I died without having asked for forgiveness, then I'm out. And so I have to make sure that I keep, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. Lord, I pray my soul to keep, right? Because if I don't do that, then I'm out. And we have this image that that all throughout the day, I'm in and I'm out, and I'm in and I'm out. And if I've asked forgiveness, then I'm in. And if I sin again, then I'm out. And I think that's kind of what you're pointing to, right? Am I condemned again because I've sinned again without asking forgiveness yet? And the answer to that is no, because we have to remember that when Christ died, that all of my sin was, was uh, put on Jesus at the cross, like all of them. 
and again, I think sometimes we miss the idea that we think about, hey, Jesus forgave all of my sin up until the time that I became a Christian. And then it's kind of up to me after that. And that's just not the case. Like all of my sin was put on Jesus, all of it, my past sin, my present sin, my future sin. And again, I always help people to to remember the fact that, look, when Christ died, how many sins had you committed? And the answer to that is none. You weren't even born yet. Yet God took all of your sins. They were all future sins. All of them were future sins when they were put on Jesus. There was no there was no past sin. There was no present sin. There was no. They were all future sin. You weren't even born yet. You hadn't sinned at all. And yet God knew every one of your sin from, from the time you were born to the time that you were die. All of them were taken and placed on Jesus. So we don't dip in and out of, of salvation. We don't dip in and out of condemnation. If you are in Christ, there is no condemnation um, for those who are in Christ Jesus. So as long as we stay in Jesus, there is no condemnation. So we don't have to worry about this falling in and falling out. And again, I think that's part of what happens with this therefore at the beginning of this text. Paul in chapter 7 is talking about that very struggle about, oh my goodness, I want to do the right thing, but I didn't. And I can't do the wrong thing, but I do. And and he he's dealing with that tension. And he gets to the end and says, who's going to save me from this body of death? Thanks be to Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it's there. we're not falling in and out. We are not condemned as long as we stay in Jesus. Yeah, that's good. And I think that there are, right, some assumptions about what the life of someone who's in Jesus looks like. There are some some assumptions about the <laughs> things that we do because like, like repentance plays a role yeah. in this, right? Yeah. So that's what I think of is like, we just have to make sure we're careful when we say in Jesus, yeah. we're all, there's a level set. We all know what we mean when we say that. Right. It's not, I raised my hand at church camp. <clears throat> right. Right. It's, it's, you have this intimate relationship where you are confessing and repenting on a regular yeah. basis and moving in his direction. I yeah. It's the, the desiring to, to follow him and 100%. to submit to him and to love him and to be transformed into his likeness. It's an ongoing process. I mean, it's yeah. all of chapter six. Yeah. It's right. the right. no longer slave to sin, yep. but through your obedience, now you're a slave to God. Yeah. And then he keeps going now in this new analogy. You're no longer living by the flesh, but yeah. you are living to gratify the desires of the spirit. Yeah. That's how you would know if you're in yeah. Christ, right? Those yeah. two different analogies that he's saying the same thing, but he's making sure that we really understand kind of what that means. And yeah. nobody's ever going to get there perfectly. So again, I think that's the part, that's where the grace piece comes in, right? We can't, we can't consider ourselves in or out or I'm in the flesh. To, we're all going to have moments in the flesh. doesn't mean that we're living in the flesh, but my flesh is going to cause me to do things that I don't want to do. That's what, again, that's what Paul's talking about in chapter seven. He's just this struggle that is constant. It's not going to go away, but do we keep coming back to, to Jesus? Do we keep coming back to it? I want to be like Jesus, I want to follow Jesus, I want to love Jesus, I want to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Like That's the thing that we have to just keep coming back to. And we're going to struggle and we're going to fail. We're going to have temptation that overwhelms us. That's going to happen. But do we keep pressing forward to follow after Jesus? And we have the fruit of the Spirit that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Yeah. So there is something that is growing inside of us that I am able to control myself and not fall into my fleshly desires as much as I used to. Like it should 
there should be a, in your yeah. life as believers, as all of us who are listening, we should be able to look back and go, oh, no, no, no. That temptation that once used to grab me and control me, I, I am able to have control and I don't fall into that sin anymore. But not to say that I, there's always every single day, every single day I'm able to make decisions that could forever change and ruin my life, right? Tim, Tim Dunsing, one of our elders, always says that. He's always aware of, but I also go, man, the spirit is growing in me this fruit of self-control, which again, I think of self as, as Paul's talks through self as flesh. That's the same kind of language that he uses. And so we should be as believers able to look at that. So as what Brendan's saying is there, there is the level set. Like I should be able to tell mm-hmm. that a person is in Jesus. <laughs> like there should be clear fruit and markers and we should all understand what that means. Well, we go to Galatians, which I think, Josh, we've talked about this a little bit. I think Galatians is probably the prerequisite to Romans. Like there are so many parallels to what uh, we find in the book of Romans that there's a version of the same type of teaching in the book of Galatians. So when we think about this whole conversation is spelled out in Galatians chapter 5, so let me, I can't even find my Galatians in my Bible. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. GE Power Company. <laughs> so Galatians <laughs> chapter 5, he, he, it's the same exact um, conversation that he's having about the flesh and the spirit and the, the fruits of the flesh and the spirit. And so if you pick it up in verse 16, it says, So I walk by the spirit and will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So again, we see these two entities at work, the flesh and the spirit, and you're going to follow one of them. And he says, when I'm walking by the spirit, I do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're fighting against each other. They are in conflict with each other so that... so that you are not to do whatever you want, which is a great line, by the way. That's great. You, you don't do what you want. Your flesh has things that it wants to do, but you don't do the, what you want when you're following the Spirit. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. So if you want to know, am I living by the flesh or am I living by the Spirit? Paul says it's obvious. You can tell. You don't have to guess. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this do not inherit the kingdom. Again, it's the same idea that he gave us in Romans where he says, look, a mind governed by the flesh is death. That's the same point he's trying to make here. You're not going to get to inherit the kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We put those things to death. So those that's a good picture for us. Again, Galatians mirrors what we learn in Romans. This is the difference between the spirit and the flesh. And it is obvious. If you're trying to follow Jesus, living by the spirit, there is some very outward distinctive actions that you're going to see in somebody's life. Yeah, that's really good. I, um, I, I happened to stumble upon something that I thought was really interesting the other day when I was reading in Matthew chapter four, 
And so, right at the beginning of Matthew chapter four is uh, Jesus being tempted for the 40 days, comes out of it and goes to Capernaum. Here's uh, who's in jail. Um, John, John John's Baptist. in prison, mm-hmm. right? Here's about it. And then, so at the very uh, near the end, verse 17 of Matthew chapter four, uh, it says from that time on, right? He travels to Capernaum. There's a, a bit of Old Testament text that's referenced there. From that time on, Jesus begins to preach. This is like the beginning of Jesus' preaching ministry, right? And he is quoted saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So for me, like that just hit me really hard from the very beginning of what Jesus was teaching. It was repentance. Like from the very beginning, it was repent, the kingdom is near. And again, as we talk about the the evidence in the life of a follower of Jesus, like almost everything in my mind starts with that. Like it starts with repent, the kingdom is near, repent, die to self, kill sin in your life. You do that through keeping in repentance, right? So uh, I just, I, for whatever reason, I, that stood out to me as I was reading it the other day. I was like, oh yeah, from the beginning. Like that's actually all Jesus was ever trying to trying to oh. say to us is, hey, yeah, repent. And so for Paul, way. it's not so much talking about Jesus's life, which we don't skip over that. Like right. we talked about that definition of the gospel. His life mattered clearly to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? right? But Paul's understanding is now because of all of the things that I've seen and heard and learned about, this is the Messiah. Now, how do we as people live because of that? Yeah. Right. Like he knows, like that's all of Romans is about. Like he's building, and like we've said, this huge point to show us why the Messiah had to come because we are condemned. He's been building this for seven chapters. <laughs> we are condemned. And what I love is, is this turn with eight also is the turn with now because of this, this is how you're going to live. You're actually going to begin to live like Christ, who we do see called people to repentance and then walked that out and showed us what it looked like to be human. And I love that that idea of what we're going to see in Paul. It's just, again, Romans takes us the longest because he had never been there. Yeah. Galatians, he gets there in three chapters. Yeah. Right. He's there. He's like, okay, I no longer live. Now Christ lives in me. What, what looks different? Oh, this looks different, mm-hmm. right? Romans just takes us so long to get to that point and we lose that like there so for paul it's man he wholeheartedly believed jesus was the messiah who did usher in the kingdom of god and now because of that something changed and namely us we've changed because we're now in and a part of that and i love i love how he always ties that in i love in all of paul's letters he's trying to be like hey so because of this gospel you now believe in it actually should make something different in you like that's the the reminder for me always. And it starts with you're free from condemnation. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not as if the actions are the thing that frees us. No, it's yeah. it's Jesus that frees us. And so we are no longer condemned. Now let's live like we're free. Yeah. And what that means is we're free to love and follow and serve Jesus. So, yeah, come and keep coming back to that. There is no, therefore now no condemnation. And like you said, for those who are in, in Christ, Christ Jesus, Jesus, that's right, which is the reality that we have to still sit with, that this is actually not for everyone. Right. It can be the invitation has been extended to all, but not everyone in this moment, even in our room on Sunday, is in Christ Jesus. Right. And there is a choice and an opportunity they get to make. And again, I love that we keep going back to the to those glass jars to actively move myself out of this into this, right? And again, that's our call as believers, which is so important. All the things we're going to be talking about, 
is like we we get to participate in helping people see that. Yeah. Helping right. people understand they get to move out of one into the other if they will surrender to Jesus. And that's what I was trying to get to earlier with like, hey, what's the what's the baseline of the, you know, the fruit of the life of someone who isn't Jesus? How do we know for sure like that is the person? Because I w- we never want to give the false hope of this, you know, Romans 8, 1 is true for everyone, right? right? That's that's just not the reality we exist within. Um, so I think, yeah, we we always tend to be really careful around that idea of, okay, so what does that mean then? What does it mean to be in Jesus? So, all right, well, what else, uh, anything, anything else noteworthy from this past Sunday's message that we want to hit on before I'll, we sign off here? Yeah, I will say there's a really cool analogy, or not analogy, but example he used, Jason, in uh, Philippians out of the Romans 5 passage. Uh, or verse five, um, when you're talking about what does it look like to have our minds set on the things above, you pull in the Colossians text. And I remember we were actually talking about this as we did our sermon prep, because this was actually something that we may have pushed out just because of time, but we ended up having enough time and all that kind of stuff. But there was this conversation around, Paul uses this wording, think about what is right and what is true and praiseworthy. And as believers, I think even we may have different definitions of those words. So how do we maybe give some guardrails maybe? I don't even know what word to use here to stay within. So when you say, or when Paul says, whatever is true, what does he mean? Whatever, yeah. whatever is noble, what is he saying? Yeah, and you're talking that uh, the Philippians 4 or 8 reference. Right, yeah, right? Philippians yeah, 4 yeah. 8. Because it was great. Because it is a great way, like you said, we can filter our thoughts. But again, for a non-believer, you may say what is true. Because that's a real big thing right now in our culture. I have a truth, and nobody can tell me what my truth is, right? So what is the truth? Right. Well, this is my truth. So how do we... How do we maybe look at some of those words and give them some definitions that fit within what Scripture says? Well, and I think within the Galatians text you just referenced, you gave us a lot of the things that were not on that list, right? And that's kind of what Paul lays out in that text in Galatians when he's wrestling with the fleshly uh, desires versus the spirit desires, which is exactly what he's doing in verse 5. He's creating this binary between those who live by the flesh are going to have the desires of the flesh, but those who live in accordance with the spirit are going to have the desires of the spirit. So. Yeah, that's a really good question. How do we know, like for sure, we are living within the desires of the spirit, living out truth and that list of things in Philippians 4? Yeah, like what is excellent? You yeah. Know, whatever is excellent. That's a, how do we help define that, you know, so that we all are on the same page maybe? I think I would start by saying um, that Paul doesn't have in mind in Philippians 4 that this list would be for unbelievers. So this, I think we can only come to a knowledge of the truth when we come to a knowledge of the truth. That's the way Paul talks about receiving of the gospel is coming to a knowledge of the truth. And so when I think about that list, um, I wouldn't try to utilize that list for an unbeliever. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that on them because they don't know what's true and they don't know what's right or noble or excellent or praiseworthy. they with an unregenerate heart, none of us can know those things. And so I think the first thing, they have to come to believe the gospel and then the the transformation of the mind, right? Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our mind gets transformed by the gospel and then by the word of God. So uh, again, I wouldn't put that as a 
in any way as a filter for unbelievers. I just, I think it's, I, I don't think it's helpful. But for those who are followers of Jesus, um, there has to be a transformation of the mind that comes from the word of God. So the word of God is then going to be our determiner of truth. And the word of God is going to show us what is excellent and praiseworthy. We're actually going to listen to the scriptures to figure out what what fits as noble and good and right and holy. Um, So we're no, no longer going to look to culture to find those things. We're going to find those things from the word of God. And it, and I think it does, it does change even um, as we grow in our ability to live by the spirit. I'm going to see things that are right and good and noble. There are things now that fit that list that I didn't, that wouldn't have even thought about. Again, I, when you think about the, the kind of TV shows I've watched, they change now. Then even from five years ago, I've been a believer for 30 years, but even from five years ago, there are things that, that I look at and say, no, that's not right. That's not excellent. And it's not praiseworthy. And I wouldn't have batted an eye at it five years ago or 10 years ago. And so I think it, there is still part of this transformation of the mind that Romans 12 is going to get to. Um, that as we walk by the Spirit, the Spirit is going to reveal things um, that we thought were okay that actually aren't, and that's just part of the growth process. I think it's important. You know, again, definitely the unbeliever part really helpful, but even within, you know, Christian circles, there's even a shift of what is true. So it is so important that I love how you went, hey, we got got to go to the Word of God. Yeah, You know, this is what has been left for us. This is what God wanted us to have. This is the most trustworthy piece of literature for believers to follow and live after and walk after. And when we when we tweak it or change it or go, well, maybe not, right? We were listening to that Alistair Begg quote. He's a pastor. And he goes, what you're doing is you're, you're actually holding up the Word of God and saying it's not trustworthy anymore. You're actually saying, well, this piece, what God has said, is actually not something that's worthy to follow because it's hard truths. And that's what we're seeing within, again, maybe culture is even wrong, not even outside culture, but inside culture within the church. We definitely have a myriad of truths on Mm -hmm. certain things. And so finding our central truth is so important um, to make sure that we know um, and keep that definition right. And again, we'll get there. In I don't know, six, eight months, when we get to Romans 12, right, where he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is for believers. This is long after you've come to faith. There's still this renewing of your mind that has to take place. Until our flesh dies, we got to keep fighting against the ideas of our flesh. And it, it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, we're still trying to figure that out every day, test and approve what God's will is. And how do we do that? Through the renewing of our mind. This, the, Our thought life, it matters. It matters what we're putting in there, the things that we're, excuse me, the things that we're trusting, the things that we're hearing, the things that we're believing, the things that we're putting into our mind matters. And so we have to transform our mind. And, and I, that's why I think that Philippians 4 text is so good. Yeah. It, it gives us a filter. Is it true? Is it right? Is it holy? Is it, you know, all the way through the list? And um, that's how we transform our mind over the end. And and it's going to change over time. Again, there are, we've talked about the marriage stuff quite a bit over the last, 
God's done a work in me. And where I was 15 years ago is different than where I am now. And I'm still having conversations with people about that. And it has been, man, what is true? How much of the truth that I've believed about that came from culture? Hmm. How much of it come from God's word? And so just continuing to trust in what the spirit's leading and what the word says. And, and again, I gotta, I gotta keep allowing the spirit to transform me. And, uh, and there's probably a hundred other things like that, that God's going to continue to enlighten us, enlighten me over the next, I don't know, whatever years I got left. He's going to keep illuminating truth to me in ways that I hadn't seen it before. Yeah. That old saying that I'm sure you've heard too, the garbage in garbage out. Oh, for sure. Yeah, if we just keep, Mm-hmm. shoving ourselves full of that, you know, all the outside things instead of spending time with God's word and allowing it to form us and to see us and to illuminate us, then of course, then I am going to be much more focused on fleshly things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It is a for sure. I was, you know, I, was, I heard that like in youth group <laughs> and I was like, ah, that's so dumb. But now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as 40, I'm like, nope, man, that is so very true. And, and most, you see it already in, kids yeah. right and you know trying to not i mean it is protect them definitely for sure protect their minds and keep them innocent like there is that thing because once it's gone once that garbage is in there man you just ah, it's just eats the overflow right mm-hmm. it just comes right out so yeah. um definitely a really important way and so i love that analogy it was so true and so i think hopefully really helpful for people even this week as they're going hey what are the things i'm reading and listening to like singing are they stuff that God would say is praiseworthy? Yeah. And if not, how do we repent of that and, and get rid of it? Yeah. So. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's a great place to land the plane for, for this week. Any final word? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. There we go. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you again next week. Amen. Well, that is a wrap on episode 22 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode today. We hope that this content was helpful in your growing in likeness to Christ. And, and really, we can't wait to continue on in this conversation. We hope you join us next Sunday. It's the 15th of January as we continue on in Romans chapter 8. And we look forward to seeing you then.